are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Tuesday, August 24th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com. And your host here on Power to the Pot, it's Tuesday, which means you guys have control of what it is we talk about throughout the course of today's show. The last two days, Sunday live stream on the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins, hit subscribe, like the channel, like the videos, appreciate all the love. And then yesterday, on the actual Monday episode, we got surface-level and deep-dive observations from Week 2 of the preseason between the Dolphins and the Falcons. Today, I hand those observations off to you, and then starting tomorrow, we're going to push play, shift our eyes forward, and we are, to quote Bill Belichick, on to Cincinnati. So, what do you all have in mind? Today is a cut day. Uh, at the time of my recording, cuts for the Dolphins not known. They need to be at 80 players by 4 p.m. today, this afternoon on Tuesday. So that's probably something that's going to get tackled on tomorrow's show. You guys did bring a ton of questions, however, and we're going to dive right into the iTunes reviews question, the first one coming from NK, hashtag Dolphin for life. Kyle, thanks for all your hard work. Love the show. It was great seeing our boys on the field, and it was good to see Tua throwing with confidence. But the run game between the tackles was not good. This was left last week. So before the Falcons game uh, and in Chicago. So that bit of layer, I think the Dolphins helped a little bit. But the question is, who would be your starting five? And as of this point in time, the Liam Eikenberg sample size is small, but the Jesse Davis sample size is large. He's been on the team for quite some time. I have been uh, pretty staunch in my observation that Jesse Davis is best as a utility offensive lineman, and his biggest value is his versatility, not any individual trait he brings to the field. So for me, Austin Jackson left tackle, Solomon Kinley left guard, Michael Dieter at center, Robert Hunt at right guard, Liam Eikenberg at right tackle. If I were picking right now, that would be my choice for what the starting five looks like. Tua Magic, I see your question here about Austin Jackson and, and potentially Lee Meikenberg at left tackle. We, t- we did tackle that last week. Uh, your question was dropped a week ago on Monday. So I hope last week brought you some of the questions, even though this did not show up in my feed in time for last Tuesday's show. Uh, cool Kids Table. Great show. With the speed of our receivers... Do you think it could be a possibility to throw an extra lineman in on 12 personnel to help the run game and also buy extra time for these receivers to get vertical down the field? This is an interesting question. Uh, I appreciate the thought process here of your tight end, one of your tight ends being an extra offensive lineman, whether it's Jesse Davis or Liam Eikenberg. I think if you go 12 personnel, and this is just my personal insight on it, uh, you lose some of the ability to space the field. And I don't know that that helps the run game. Like, if you come out in a heavy set, 
And your inline tight end is an extra offensive tackle, sixth offensive lineman. And then you have Mike Gusecki, wherever he may be. You're going to invite that safety down into the box, and then, yes, you will have those receivers with speed potentially outside, but I don't think that helps the run game. I think what helps the run game is forcing the two high safety looks, and I think the way that you get there is not by continuing to gear up and go heavy. Uh, It is one of those chicken versus the egg conflicts, and I think there is a, a time and place for it, particularly in short yardage situations. But I don't know if I would be pounding the table for them to come out in heavy 12 uh, on first and 10 from their own 40-yard line because they're trying to get the run game going. I think you'd have better success. Uh, and one of the questions that I received on Twitter for today's episode was, what is the identity of this Dolphins team? Like, what do you anticipate the identity pieces being? And I look at how they assemble the roster, and... They feel like a team, and, and I think you saw this on Saturday against Atlanta. They feel like a team that is oriented to pass to set up the run because they have the athletes now where if you give them free access on the outside, they're going to take that hitch or that bubble, and they can turn that into a 10-15 yard gain now. And if you start doing that, then those linebackers, like the, it works vertically and horizontally, right? Vertically, you think about what it's going to look like if you get Fuller, Waddle, and Albert Wilson on the field at the same time. It's your three wide receivers plus Mike Gusecki. Right? That, that's a whole lot of vertical stress. But if you do space the field horizontally in, in ways that the Dolphins did last year, and instead of Malcolm Perry running, and that's no disrespect to Malcolm Perry, but if you get Albert Wilson or Jalen Waddle running that bubble, they are much more dynamic to be able to create in the short game as well. So you're not just going to force the safeties to lift and get more too high looks, but if you're going to stretch the field horizontally, you're either going to get a lot more dime slash nickel, and that safety player or that that nickel player is going to have to get out of the box more and quit cheating into the box, or they're going to try and stay in base because you do have success running the ball, and then you're going to task a linebacker with splitting the difference and playing on the hash and asking him to keep some integrity with the slot if they run the bubble and simultaneously fit the run. That's conflict, right? So it, it works vertically and horizontally. So I think that is a better benefit to help the run game unless you're going specifically in, in short yardage situations and down and distance, which the Dolphins did some of last year. I think they did that against the Jets. They went unbalanced line and managed to slip Shaheen out. It was the second game when Fitz started. And they had a couple really neat, fun, creative, little extra linemen on the blocking surface tweaks last year. I would expect them to continue to do that, but it would be more situational. Uh, Tripland, five-star review, no question. Just a very, very kind and gracious Uh, review of the show, which I greatly appreciate as always. Uh, Alex with another question about Jackson versus Eichenberg potentially on the left side. Question from Eaterly. Is it time to trade Devontae Parker and his never-ending day-to-day hamstring issue for conditional day three pick and use the savings to sign Mike Gusecki? Okay. Now, you've, you've gathered my interest at this point. 
I'm going to go ahead and pull up Devontae Parker and his contract details so we can kind of work through what this is going to look like. Because you mentioned a, a, a day three selection, conditional day three pick. If Mohamed Sanu can go for a two, like washed Mohamed Sanu, I couldn't help but at least wonder what Miami might be able to get. So the cap situation, if they were to trade Devontae Parker here and now, uh, they would save $9.4 million in cap space this year. They would incur a $2.7 million dead cap hit for 2021. And then they would incur a $5.4 million dead cap hit in 2022. Uh, His 2021 salary is fully guaranteed, so you would have to trade it to get that off the books. You can't cut him. Uh, And and I don't think he would be a candidate to be cut. But he has three years left on his deal, and the new money that he's owed, yearly cash, $9.412 million this year, which he had some uh, performance bonuses from 2020 that he hit that are accounted for in here, uh, a base of seven and three quarter million dollars. New cash in 2022, $6.25 million, and new cash in 2023, $6.3 million. I think you could do better than a conditional day three, personally. Uh, But the thing with trading any talent for me, the message that it sends the team going into a year in which you're expecting to contend, it it wouldn't sit well with me as a player. If you're going to trade Devontae Parker, you would need to bring somebody in who's going to help the team win right now. It's it's the same thought process with any other one. We were having the conversation about Xavier Howard. And, of course, we will avoid that conflict with Xavier Howard. Uh, But I would not necessarily endorse trading any player unless it's like a fringe rosterable player for like a sixth-round pick. I would not endorse trading potential starters or significant contributors for only draft selections for 2022. I think that sends the wrong message. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron and starting their football seasons. Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this fall. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Bet Online. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday games, the season opener between the Bucks and Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. And take advantage for all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Next question comes from Skywalker18. Do you believe the Dolphins are in position to be playoff contenders this year? Me personally, I love everything that's going on in Miami Gardens. 
Sorry, Kyle, you're awesome, but please book your co-host, Mr. Joe Rose, once a week if his schedule permits. Loyal fan and love hearing and talking Finns football. I will say this, and I already told Joe this last week. Uh, I said, I am preemptively going to take you up on every offer you have to come on the show. Uh, so this morning, I went on uh, WQAM with with Joe and Zach Krantz and, and talked a little Dolphins football. And Joe has been nothing but wonderful to me to talk football with. He has been very kind and gracious with his time. I love talking football with him. And I look forward to bringing some of those conversations to light here on the podcast. Uh, me helping the Joe Rose Show, however I can, with appearances. And Joe... Uh, bringing some of his knowledge and expertise to Locked On Dolphins is definitely part of the plans. To answer your question, yes, I do think the Dolphins are in position to be playoff contenders. Do I think they are ready to make a Super Bowl run? I would like to see a playoff berth and a playoff win. Uh, the last time they won a playoff game, I was like 11. So uh, beggars can't be choosers, right? But uh, I do think there are, are, are playoff contenders going into this year. Yes. Sean. Next question. Last season was looking for a good Fins podcast and saw a recommendation for this one by the Dolphins subreddit. I love the Dolphins subreddit. Shout out to you guys. Uh, always enjoy popping in and seeing what you guys are abuzz about on any given day. And this is a good question from Sean. Uh, just curious how you became such a big Dolphins fan since I think you've mentioned you live in the Northeast, not exactly Fins territory. That's right. Uh, so when I was young, when I was a kid, I used to live in Augusta, Georgia. I was born in 89. So right around the time in which I started becoming cognizant of football, um, especially watching it on TV, Marino, in his heyday, was on the television. Not necessarily his heyday, per se. Uh, it wasn't 80, the 84 season. I was born in 89. Uh, but the end of the Shula era and uh, the Jimmy Johnson years. Uh, the Dolphins were one of the teams that were consistently on television. And just seeing Marino and how he played the game, it really roped me in. And I really stayed captivated with the Dolphins ever since. And, and just it became my passion for the sport. And then came the Dolphins defense with Zach and Jason and the corner duo, and then Ricky Williams came, and then the heartbreak came there afterwards. But it was enough of my formable years uh, that I really bought into Miami, and I wouldn't change it for anything. It would be nice to be able to have the successes uh, that other teams have, but I, I do know uh, this team is not destined to be mediocre forever. And when the successes come, they will be more sweet because we have struggled. And I cannot wait for that. And, and I hope uh, I still have the opportunity to partake in Locked On Dolphins when those days come uh, so that we can share in those moments together because that will be very, very special to me. Because as you said, Sean, growing up in not Dolphins territory, uh, finding like-minded Dolphins fans as a kid, and before the internet became what it is today, uh, was very rare. So I think that's one of the reasons why I cherish this platform as much as I do, because for a long time it was hard to find uh, like-minded, passionate fans of the team. And I have that here with Locked On Dolphins, and I covet that on a daily basis. 
as much as I do covet uh, you guys, you'd need to chill with the Twitter questions. There are over 50 of them. I just got through iTunes reviews questions. So we're going to try to steamroll through as much of this as we possibly can. Uh, starting with Jesse, Patriots are quite good at taking out a team's number one wide receiver. Yes, the Pats versus Finns game is a ways away, but if Waddle is our number one option and no top wide receivers are our, of ours are healthy, how do we counter? Uh, I do think you're going to have opportunities with the tight ends uh, to make some noise, and you just need the threat of vertical push down the field. I would run Waddle a lot across the middle of the field if they're going to play man coverage and occupy the eyes of those receivers and, and try and run him away from leverage and see how that goes. Next question comes from Spectacular Sports Spot. What's the name of the website for fantasy sports against the house? And is the same promo still running? Yes, the promo is running. Promo code locked on. It is Stat Hero. Is what you're going to want to check out. TJ, does B-Flow look tougher with the bald head or the flat bill cap? He's got some good game day aesthetics either way, uh, but I do like the flat bill cap look for flow quite a bit. Uh, Cliff, are there any other 10-win teams other than the Dolphins with one or fewer top 100 NFL players? Probably not. Um, I, I don't think it should surprise us that the Dolphins, they have to prove it, right? And it was the same thing that we got into, I think, two weeks ago, talking about Tua, and everybody getting all up in a tizzy about every ounce of disrespect for Tua, and it's like, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with that BS. Like, because they don't, the vast majority of pundits, Miami's not really on their radar. They see Miami has started to win some games. Uh, but even in 2019, the narratives that were out there about tanking, and you, you listen to Brian Flores each week, and it was clear the Dolphins weren't actively trying to lose football games. And yet that was the big to-do for a long time. Miami has not been in the national spotlight, and until people start intimately watching the Dolphins the way that they watch other teams, there's going to be a lack of respect for a lot of players that probably deserve it. And for me personally, like I can't get emotionally invested in what Colin Cowherd says on any given week about Tua Tungvaloa. I can't. I can't get wrapped up in NFL 100 or Madden 22 coming out and the Dolphins are like the fifth worst team in the game. Is it dumb? Yeah, it's dumb. I can't afford to care. I can't afford to care that Tua is a 73 in the game. And then Michael Dieter's like a 63. At the end of the day, you can think whatever you want of the Dolphins, but if the Dolphins are winning 10-11 games, like, okay, think whatever you want. The results in the win-loss column are, at the end of the day, what's always going to rule everything. And that's where my attention and energy goes. Brian, you monster with an early draft question. Okay, let's play ball. Based on what we have saw in training camp and the first two preseason games, what do you think some of the weak points are on the roster that need to be addressed? I know people are upset about the offensive line, but I think they are young and will improve. Okay, so this is fun. So we literally just did this this past weekend over at thedraftnetwork.com. We updated the mock draft simulator to put in 2022 prospects and team needs. 
for me, if I'm looking at the Dolphins roster, uh, I do think another edge defender, barring what happens with Emmanuel Agba, is something that needs to be accounted for uh, with this roster. Uh, you do need to be mindful of whatever ends up happening with Xavier Howard uh, with the renegotiation and revisiting the uh, the contract situation. Running back is a need for this team. Like Until you have somebody that silences the doubt that exists there, running back is always going to be tied as a need for this team. Uh, will they actually covet it high? I doubt it. I think Notre Dame's Kyron Williams would be a phenomenal fit. He reminds me a lot of Miles Gaskin. Really good in pass protection. A little bit more of a productive runner. Uh, maybe in their strike zone for value. So I think he's an interesting one. I think we do need to be mindful of linebacker uh, with Benardrick McKinney on a one-year deal. Uh, they brought back Elandon Roberts on a one-year deal. Uh, so I think there's some opportunity there. And then the offensive line, like, let's get some clarity. Uh, with Austin Jackson, let's get some clarity with Michael Dieter. Let's get some clarity with Liam Eikenberg. And potentially backup quarterback uh, with Jacoby Brissett here on a one-year deal as well. So I think those are kind of some of your hot spots uh, for the Dolphins as far as the roster goes uh, with team needs. Uh, I wouldn't rule out the offensive line, but I do think edge, running back, linebacker, are probably more pressing as of right now. But if one of these offensive linemen flops, uh, you could see either offensive tackle or interior offensive line catapult to the top of the list. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price of the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com for all your auto parts needs, and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. Edgar, watching the game Saturday seemed like this offense could run through Gasecki and Waddle. Looked like a lot of volume. Could this be the Marvin Allen effect? Is it fair to compare Kansas City's Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey type offense? Also, do you agree that Liam looked better working in space at offensive tackle? Liam played great at tackle. As far as comparing Gasecki and Waddle to Hill and Kelsey, I think I would disagree with that because, like, I look at the other receivers Miami has, and they have a lot of really capable players. Where I look at Kansas City, and, you know, they've, they've had Sammy Watkins there, so I get it's not necessarily, like, a fair statement to make, but Kansas City has taken some liberties with their other options in the passing game because they have those two as established studs. That's not to say we can't get two years down the road from now, and if these guys prove themselves, you can kind of emulate that formula, but I don't think they're there yet. And I do think this is a team that is probably going to spread the ball and spread the love. They might be a frustrating team from a fantasy perspective uh, because they are so deep, but I think they like having it that way where they can 
bring a different matchup to the table on any given week. Next question comes from Mark. Coach Flo talked about players getting reps. Parker and Fuller are experienced vets. Do you think they will play in the last preseason game? And if so, how much? I think there's a 0% chance those guys play. I think Miami has been fully dialed in and committed to getting, making sure if whatever soft tissue issues are going on with these guys, they're going to have effectively five, six weeks. To rest for in in the case of Will Fuller, right? He practiced the first day camp. He's going to be suspended week one anyway. So when you do the math, like he's got six weeks for whatever issue is going on lower body, whether it's foot, hamstring, whatever it is. You got Devonte Parker. It's been acknowledged it's a hamstring. You get him some incremental work. He was a part of the throwing session with Tua this summer, so you feel good from a timing perspective on that. As you said, he's a vet. I'm not pushing panic. Again, if we get to Thursday, the week of the Patriots game, and these guys aren't practicing, yeah, then it's time to worry. But until now, the Dolphins, they've been very cognizant of load management in a lot of different positions this summer. I think this is just an extension of that, and I think it's good to see... You know, from not only a competitive balance perspective, not showing your hand with all your top players for Tua, it's good practice for Tua to A, establish rapport with the depth players on the roster, and B, you know, they always talk about coaches making practice harder than the games, right? Well, if the preseason games, from a talent perspective, you're not throwing to your optimal players, then when those optimal players are healthy, it should theoretically be easier because they're more talented players other than those handful of guys that are playing. So I think there's enough ways that we can spin this as a positive. I wouldn't risk running one of these guys out there to play in the the third and final preseason game, which for almost every team is going to be exclusively evaluation of the bottom half of roster guys. I think if you're worried about chemistry on the offensive line, which is a different animal because you're finally allowed to have contact. You can't have contact in minicamp and OTAs and sessions during the summertime. That would be the one group that I would not be surprised to see a quarter player or so from the Dolphins starters, the guys up front, because they have not had the opportunity that the receivers and the quarterback has had to have throwing sessions and get their timing down on their own. Next question comes from Jack. Do you think we have enough depth in the front seven to compete with teams who have elite offensive lines? I think our defensive front is very, very deep. I'm very comfortable with that group. Uh, I do think from the linebacker position, I thought Duke Riley, when he had his opportunities to get walked up in the line of scrimmage, he got pushed around a little bit. So you're gonna, and that's not a surprise, right? Like he's he's a rangy, undersized linebacker who wins in space. I don't think they have the depth at linebacker to really shine there, but they have the horses up front to help keep their linebackers clean, and I think that helps. Question from Josh. Do you have any concerns about the methodology of the offense being able to come from behind? Feels to me like this team is built to take a lead and hold it versus react and come back. Josh, I'd I'd be curious why you feel that way because I think about what the Dolphins did this offseason and they went out and got a bunch of players that are capable of creating explosive plays and 
We haven't necessarily had the opportunity to see that yet, and that wasn't how they built the team to win last year. Um, but I don't see this as a team that's going to get out to a 14-point lead and run the ball at will. Um, I, I do think they are going to have to pass the ball to set up the run, and I think with the amount of speed that they have, they should be able to manufacture more quick strike plays. I don't know if I would necessarily want this team down 10 with all the young pieces and the young offensive linemen. I don't want them down 10 with six minutes to go and needing two scores to win the game with any level of consistency. Uh, but you don't want any team in that situation, really. So I'm not, I don't share that concern, and I'd love to hear from you a little bit more as to why you feel that way based on what they put together. Ray, should they cut Malcolm Brown and use that spot for an extra wide receiver? Lynn Bowden can act as an emergency running back. No, I, I don't think so. And, and the reason why, for me, is you have to ask yourself, like, not all running backs are created equal, right? And I understand we just got done talking over the weekend about how Malcolm Brown didn't win his one-on-one pass protection rep from the nickel blitz that cost the Dolphins the 26-yard touchdown pass from Tua to Waddle in the first quarter of the game. Like, I get it. He lost a pass pro rep. It happens, though. Malcolm Brown's sample size as a pass-protecting back was quite high in 2020, and he was quite proficient at it. You've got Miles Gaskin, who can win in pass pro. But your other two backs are not big backs. And like, are, 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 if you're going to ask Jared Dokes to be a third down and short yardage guy, that's okay, but he has no experience doing it at the NFL level at this point. He has not proven at all. And I would not expect any rookie running back to come in and crush in pass protection. Savan Ahmed has struggled his rookie season with pass protection. He hasn't been good in two games in the preseason in pass protection. So I look at that, and then I think about Limbo and Jr., and I agree Limbo and Jr. could be a pass-catching back, but you already have two other guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield, plus potentially Patrick Laird. Limbo is not going to act as a short yardage running back. You need somebody who's a bit of a thumper, who can get down into gaps, push the pile, run hard, is not afraid to try and run a linebacker over. And I admire the toughness that Savan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin run with, but they are not built to do that. And I don't think Miles or and I don't think Limbo and Jr. W- is built to do that either. Malcolm Brown is just a different kind of back, and they brought him in. They clearly had a vision. Let's not try and make him the featured back like the Dolphins did with Jordan Howard last year. But I think because he's sufficient in pass protection and he's a big back relative to the other guys, I I would not be parting ways with him looking for an easy out for yet another pass catcher in Limbo and Jr. Uh, I would love to keep Limbo and Jr., and I would not mind give, getting him reps lined up in the backfield, but I wouldn't use him as the justification to part ways with Malcolm Brown, if that makes sense. That is going to do it for us here on the show. Another banger of a power to the pod knocked out, thanks to each and every one of you. It was great to hear from you guys. Make sure you... Hit subscribe on the podcast feed. Follow along. We got three more shows this week. Uh, the preseason game against the Bengals is just around the corner. Looking forward to breaking down that. Uh, we're going to get into potentially a roster prediction by the end of the week based on uh, 
all of the developments and progress we've got. We've got a couple players that they could potentially stash and convert over via the PUP or injured reserve. So a little bit more strategy involved with a 53 now versus what it was the last time we did it a few weeks back. So you're going to want to hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks as always for listening. Fins up. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.